The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today I'm joined by Julian Levitt, real estate broker with Jameson Sotheby's. Julian, thanks for being here, brother. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. No, what a pleasure. And, uh, you know, getting into it, you're a young guy and uh, you're really passionate about real estate. It's, uh, it's pretty inspiring. How did you get into it and what was the motivation behind, uh, you know, wanting to pursue so much success early on uh, in real estate? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, we were living downtown, me and a couple buddies, and we were trying to make it happen. Uh, we dropped out of school and we were following our passion in, a, in another direction with the business. And it just didn't pan out. And I was sitting there and I was really fascinated with, uh, you know, real estate, I was listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast. And I thought, you know, I think I could really do this. You know, my dad was a broker back in the day, but really wasn't successful. And we had used a young broker to find uh, the unit we were living in. And I just contacted him and I was like, listen, you know, I would love to know more about what you do, you know, and see if I could, you know, fit, fit into that picture. He told me about it and I, that it was an easy exam to pass if you were a good student. And I took it and three months later, you know, I was licensed broker, took it up, passed it on my first try. And I didn't really have the passion for it right away. I was sitting in the office a lot. You know, I'm a really, I'm a big believer in get there early, stay late, you know, see what other people need help with. And, you know, I knew my value at the time wasn't that I had experience, but I knew I had a lot of hustle. I've never been like the most talented person on the team or in the room, but I knew I could always outwork anyone in the room. That's something just my parents taught me from an early age. And uh, I'd be in the office and we were just doing a lot of cold calling. I remember I cold called for probably like three to six months. And you said like zero traction, like not even like one positive phone call. And I like almost fizzled out, I think, honestly. And I was like trying to do other things and like wait tables and like just oh, try no to like make just try to like make it happen and it, it just, it wasn't, nothing was clicking and I just found myself, you know, coming back to real estate. And I think, you know, the reason I did that was my family immigrated here a long time ago and they came from the Soviet Union and they were escaping persecution. And my whole life, like I've always wanted to make them really proud. Like my, specifically my grandparents, cause I knew they gave up so much to come here. And you don't see that every day. Like you really, like you still see like people, you know, escaping and like seeking asylum. But this was this mass movement in the 70s. And, you know, half my family was doing pretty well in the old country. And they just decided, you know, it's not working out anymore. We can't bring anything with us except, you know, maybe a suitcase. Let's go try something else, you know, for the future. Yeah. And I remember sitting at uh, my grandpa's 80th birthday with my entire family. And I almost teared up and bawled because I looked them in the face and I said, you guys did it. Like, you literally are sitting here with me and all my cousins, and you got doctors, lawyers, and entrepreneurs in the room, and we're all, we're all you know, making it happen. I would, some of us are more successful than others, but that's, like, really where my purpose comes from is, like, I'm a family guy, and, like, I want to do it for those, you know, who were there for me, and, like, that's, like, the most important thing to me, just that's making awesome. sure my grandparents are happy, and, like, that helps me sleep at night every day. That's awesome, man, and what a great place to come from from an inspiration standpoint. I mean, to have that... Um, you know, it's not always easy, but when you have that story, I think it does push you and motivate you to, to work hard like you are. Um, for you, like what, what's been, I guess, the thing that you've had to overcome because you had a business, right? And, and I think there's always something to learn from that, right? And if you don't have those valuable experiences, how can you take that into your next career? But what would the biggest takeaway that you got from that experience that you carried into what you now found success in real estate? 
you know, something I learned early on that a lot of people don't like to do is, you know, you really need to budget your entire life. And real estate's a business where you're not going to make money in the first year. You're probably not going to make money in the second year. It took me three years to really, like, you know, turn a profit, move out on my own, and, like, start my life. And I know, like, a lot of people listening to this, like, you, you could be, like, 30, 40. You could have your kids, you know. It's not something you can just jump all into and start making money day one. Like, that's not the expectation. This is a five- or ten-year runway. Man. And you got to treat it like a business. Like, this isn't a hobby. This isn't, like, you know, like... You're like, you know, stay-at-home mom who's like doing a couple deals. Like that's just not how the business is anymore. And um, people don't, people want to work with a professional who does this full time, or else they either feel like they're getting taken advantage of, or they're not getting the right service. So if you're not coming at it from that perspective, then I don't think you're going to be successful in this business. And it takes a long time. And for me, like, I think the biggest proponent to my like career, you could say, was finding really good mentors early, often or early and often. And I remember sitting when I was at Compass a long time ago and I sent a mass email to every top producer in the company. And this is like my secret. I emailed probably 40 or 50 agents in the company and I said, listen, you know, my name's Julian Levitt. I follow you guys on Instagram. You know, I, I know all, all about you guys. I'd love an opportunity to learn from you and, you know, just get a little bit of your time. I'll take your kids to school. I'll pick up your dogs. You know, I'll take your dog out for the bathroom. I'll, like, I'll do your dry cleaning, like whatever you need. And of like the 30 or 40 emails I sent, I think I got like four replies. Wow. And I sat down with all those brokers and, you know, one of those brokers to this day is Mark Ikes and I'll give him a shout out. He's been one of my biggest mentors to this day and he's really guided my career. Young people in this business need someone to tell them how it is and how to be. Because if you don't know how to act and how the business works, you're never going to be successful. You're going to think you did one easy deal and that's the way to do it, but you did it the wrong way. And that's why the next hundred deals aren't working for you. And you're never going to be able to figure that out if you don't have the right coaching staff in your corner. I always compare this to like making shoes or like any kind of apprenticeship business where you need to be an apprentice. You need to learn. Like you're not just going to come out the gate, pass the exam. None of that stuff matters really. Like you don't really use a lot of it. Like you got to make sure like you're in compliance and like license law. But the minutia in this business is, you know, you know, what we're doing on our phones, what we're saying to the clients and, you know, how we're problem solving. Because that's really all we are as professional problem solvers. The more problems I, excuse me, the more problems I can solve every day, you know, the more business I'm going to be able to do and the more money I'll be able to make eventually. For sure. For sure. And when you first started, I mean, you mentioned Compass, right? That was, that's where you uh, hung your license when you first uh, got started in the industry, but you made your move over to Jameson's. What was, what was the impetus behind that? And talk to me about the dynamic that you're in now with your team. Without airing out too much dirty laundry, um, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, the old team I was on was just growing exponentially at their own rate and just didn't have enough time and energy to focus on me and my growing business. And, you know, you have to be your own, you have to be your own cheerleader. So it's like, right. and you have to be your own voice. So it's like, if they're not going to, if if you're on a team or you're in an organization or wherever, and no one's giving you the attention you need and you're requesting it, it's up to you ultimately to go find somewhere else where you're going to get what you need. So for me, I was, uh, my main thing was I wanted to go join a high, produ- a high production team with a low number of team members so I can get maximum amount of attention. That was like the three keys for me. So if I was looking at a team with like 12, 15, 10 members, even like five or eight, I was a little turned off because I was like, I'm splitting the mentor's time with everyone. You know, I want to be in the car with them driving around going to listing appointments. I'm not trying to like, you know, do the Monday meeting Mm -hmm. and then never see them again. Right. Like I could do that anywhere. So like you really got to get really clear on what you want. And that's how you're ultimately going to get to where you go. And I think... You know, a lot of that goes back to just purpose and like why you do what you do every day because this business, I mean, a lot of people burn out and they get really tired and like that's why most people don't make it past, you know, year two. Yeah. It takes time. 
And now, tell me about the team. The team's small right now. It's uh, I got my team lead, partner, mentor, big brother, Ryan Grover. Give him a big shout-out. Um, you know, I came and worked with him. You know, I had a little bit of an attitude. I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was a young guy. And he basically sat me down and just told me that this isn't going to fly. I'm not going to deal with your crap. Wow. And uh, <laughs> you're going to do things my way or it's not going to work. And it was probably exactly what I needed to hear. And he went, he went from taking me from not even being able to make a single sales call, talk to a single seller, you know, talk about the market or comps, to basically I can have that entire conversation on my own. And he just sits there and looks pretty. <laughs> and I'm sure he has value to add. He always does. But that's what it's all about, about getting around the right people and getting the right amount of attention. Is like we practice and he pounded in the right information into me and the right way to deliver it. You could say the same thing a hundred different ways, but if you don't deliver the message the right way to the listener in the way they need to hear it, you're never going to close that sale. For sure. For never sure. going to close that sale. And a big thing for me was going from making, from selling to advising. It's like we're bringing the value and the expertise on how to advise you to go about this process. I'm not selling myself. Like maybe I like that first phone call, you know, it needs to be a nice phone call. It needs to happen the right way. But at the end of the day, the numbers speak for themselves. We speak for ourselves. We know what value we bring to the table. And if it's not a good move for us, or we're not meeting eye to eye with the client, there's no reason to do the deal. Right. A lot of agents get hung up on saying yes to everything because they're new and they just want to get experience. But sometimes, you know, that's just having a headache client or doing the wrong deal could really put a bad taste in your mouth. And for some people, it actually gets them out of the business. And hinder you from just succeeding uh, on other deals, right? Or when, when you're focused on one thing that's not, that's, that's taking your energy, right? You're not putting it into things that are more productive. So, and for, we're, we're like, where do you develop all this from? Because for, for being a young guy, I mean, it seems like you're coming with a lot of wisdom. And, and I'm assuming you're reading stuff, you're listening to stuff. What, what, sure. what are those things that you're, you know, taking in to, to help you see things from a different lens from when it seems like when even just recently when you joined um, you know Sotheby's but yeah you've gone through some maturity sure uh, we can unpack that so I'd say I had to grow up just from an early I had to grow up early at an early age um, you know just to get a little personal you know drugs and alcohol plagued my family for a long time and we're past that and for a lot of people you know that's kind of a sink or swim thing you could turn that into a pro and you know have that fuel your fire to be better and you know, to make more of an impact and not to repeat that process. Or you can take that as a negative and, you know, just be another person in the chain who's continuing to do the same thing to people in your life. And I just chose not to do that. And, you know, I played football my entire life. And I've talked about this before on my Instagram, but, you know, I never started a day on varsity. Mm. And I played football my entire life. And, you know, that doesn't matter to me. But it didn't. It didn't back then. But yeah. now, looking back at it, it really didn't because of all the experience I got mentally and, you know, from my coaches. You know, the one thing he always used to tell me was never feel sorry for yourself and to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And that resonated with me because, you know, for for a long time, like that's what I always did. I felt sorry for myself. I was like, damn, I'm like I'm, I'm in a crappy position. Like I don't like the cards that I was dealt. You know, this isn't working out for me. But I always knew I had something special, and I I knew I always had something about me that was different from everyone else. I'm not just this typical finance kid or, you know, going to business school. Like, you know, my friends always said I could sell water or like, you know, air in a can. And I was just like, mm -hmm. I need to like take this and do something with it. And there's a problem with the educational process with kids like me is like in like kids like Gary Vee and all these guys, whereas like school isn't like the fit for them, but there is something that they can do. And it's all about finding that. And we live in a society where, 
you know, kids can't try enough things for some reason. Like, I don't know if they're scared to, or they don't have enough opportunity to try things, but I was always trying different things. I've worked more jobs than I can count. I've done everything. I've taken out garbage. You know, I've waited tables. I've done the host. I've done the dishwasher in the back. I have respect for every single person in those chains because I've worked all those jobs. And, you know, I've found the meaning of value to it. But what changed for me, honestly, was purpose and passion. And, you know, by being able to, like, unlock that purpose and, you know, figuring out, like, what I want to do to make myself happily, excuse me, make myself happy and in turn make my family happy was a big push for me. And I never thought real estate would turn into this passion. I honestly thought it would be maybe like a sidecar just to like, you know, get me into investing and I would just become an investor, which sounds like, you know, that's never going to happen just like that. You know, everyone thinks that's going to work. And I just, uh, I just fell in love with people. I just think I really love interacting. Like I'll have a really cruddy day and like, I'll get in the car and I'll go meet a client and like, we'll just hit it off and I'll just be like, Oh, I'm feeling a lot better right now. And like, Maybe I get my energy from, you know, other people, or maybe I just really do love the business. But um, there's obviously some bad days and there's some good days. But, you know, back to your question, I I don't know really where it comes from, you know, growing up fast. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of reading and I listen to podcasts and, you know, I ask questions. I always ask questions and I try to put myself in rooms where, you know, I love being the stupidest person in the room or the youngest guy in the room. And I, I always am. And that's not in a bad way, but I mean... Sometimes it feels like, you know, you have nothing to add to the conversation, but I'm taking in so much. I think one of my best attributes is I'm, I'm spongy or I'm coachable. Yeah. And I think those are two things to tell all young people is if you can be coachable and you can be spongy and like not have a bad attitude because, you know, attitude ruins everything. I think you can go a long way in this business or any business for a matter of fact. But if you're going to show up five minutes late, 10 minutes late to things and you're not going to care and you're not going to. You're going to be a passive listener. You know, there's a difference between active and passive listening and, you know, being a participant. And that's a really important thing that I pride myself on that I had to learn about, honestly, last month from a speaker we had at our men's group. Is like there's a difference between sitting here and, you know, sitting back and leaning and, you know, like kind of like half-assing it. And then, you know, being here ready with notes prepared and, uh, you know, shaking your hand, looking you in the eye and looking sharp. There's a difference with that. And there's a different energy to it. And, um, yeah, I think my generation misses out on the details. I think that's a really big thing that like young kids lack is like, they just, they're moving too quick. They want to, you know, skip the chapter and finish the book when they haven't (laughs) even read the page. And I think that's a, that's a big thing for me is like, you know, trying to slow down and, you know, enjoy the journey, trust the process. I think those are big things. I mean, all great analogies. And honestly, you're, you're, you're very intentional about it. And it seems like you know, you said, Here, here's what I want, and, and yeah, the, the, the humility of it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, um, was just you'd mentioned earlier about overcoming age, right? That people look at you, there's kind of this prejudice, and people always have to overcome prejudices, sure. right? I mean, judging a book by its cover, there's a reason there's an expression for it, right? So what has been for you? Is this, Has that been kind of like the inspiration or the motivation behind being so well-versed and, and, and just having everything together because you almost feel like, you don't have that luxury of, of, of screwing up at all? Well, it's like, you know, you got to read the room. And I think that's something that, you know, I like to do well. Is like when you're the young guy in the room, you have to come correct. That's why I always dress, you know, I dress to the T's and I've always done that. And, you know, you got to be well-spoken. And it's better to say not, it's better to say nothing than try to talk and act like you know everything. Because then you're just going to kind of look like a jackass. Excuse, you know, pardon <laughs> my French. You know, being the young guy in the room... There's a lot to offer and people see you and they might even get intimidated because they're like, wow, 
you know, I'm 45 and this kid's 21 and he's in the same room as me doing the same exact thing. Like, I wish I was that young. Like, and they start getting all negative and that's fine. I honestly love when people discount me or they shove me aside or they, you know, they tell me no. Cause that honestly has always fueled my fire. Cause I've been told no forever and I've been doubted forever. And that's always just pushed me forward more and more. Like continue to not believe in me because I believe in myself so much. I know I'm going to get there. That's awesome. And I mean, like I said, it, all, all those things that you're doing are working for you. What, what's the vision for you? Like what, what's now that you've you know, got more than gotten your feet wet in the industry, you've been through you know, two, two different companies now, gotten a taste. Um, yeah. What, what, what are the goals for you? What are you putting out there? You know, we got a lot cooking. I say, you know, you know, we're really trying to lean into multifamily sales. I think that's like our bread and butter just because our value add and most commercial brokers don't offer this is, you know, we do residential leasing. So we'll help you buy the building, sell the building, whatever you want to do. But we're not going to throw you to the dogs. Excuse me. We're not going to have another another team come in and lease out your units. You know, we're going to underwrite the deal. We're going to tell you exactly the numbers we think we can get for you conservatively. And then we're going to go out and execute. And a lot of brokers won't do that. We're a one-stop shop. We have a management anchor and a lot of investors don't get into investing because they don't have all these connections and they're too scared or nervous. Excuse me. Oh my God. That's, that's <laughs> that, uh, that, that mineral water. It's something coming yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of brokers just don't have the team to sell to the client. And it's like a client wants to have like a smooth experience. They don't want to think a lot. So if like you bring everything to the table and make it a one-stop shop, it's a no brainer. And yeah. that's kind of what we do with our multifamily part of the business. But the reason, honestly, I like Sotheby's a lot is because we have a huge luxury anchor to our team. We just listed with a big broker in our office, uh, single family home in River North. It's right around 4.7. And, uh, you know, we're really excited to, you know, get that listing live. And, you know, it's been on the market for a little bit. And uh, it's it's not something we're willing we're, we're willing to give up right now. It's a big, <laughs> big chair to our uh, it's a big chair to our business. And we really appreciate doing those deals because the reason people contact us about it is because of our white glove approach. You know, Ryan and I have both been in the service industry and done a lot of things in that department, and we know how to handle people in that of that caliber, and we know you know what they need and how to communicate with them, and I think a lot of people like to work with us because we're not pushing the sale. Like I don't need it to pay my bills. I don't need you to buy this property today for me to make my mortgage payment. Like that's not how I work. You need to buy this property if it works with for you. And like, that's where a lot of brokers lose and our managing broker calls it commission breath. Like people could smell that. I could smell a sale a mile away. Like I, I know when people are selling me all the time, you shouldn't have to sell a house. Like it's really like, it goes back to what I said. It's advising them. Like here's the situation. Here's who built, like, that's why I like to lean on new construction stuff. Cause when it comes to new construction, we execute cause we know the developers, we know the builders. So I can tell you, you know, are you buying something that's paper mache or, you know, made from good quality? You know, is it a reputable developer? Or is this going to fall apart in a couple of years? Like, is this a great, is this a good neighborhood for you to buy long term, or are you looking to do more of an early exit? And maybe this isn't the right choice for you right now. It's all about walking them through these really good questions because the questions are going they're going to lead themselves to the answer. Yeah, it's all about positioning it the right way, yep. and like goes back to delivery. Awesome man, very well spoken guy. I mean, uh, impressive on, on many levels, you know, and. Um, just a pleasure getting on you, man. It's uh, you know you, you you've been through a lot, but you've overcome a lot, and um, to, to to be able to share that in, in such a way where I can tell you know you're, you're on a, you're on the right path. So I I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in and sharing your story, and excited to to, to hear more. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs>